return is very close And so you better be believing that our God is an awesome God Our God is an awesome God Welcome to a service at Holy Life Tabernacle in Brookings, South Dakota. We are proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. Now let's go into the sanctuary and here's today's message. Well, tonight we have Deb Colesbeck that's ministering, so if you'd welcome her and uh, it's going to be a great word, amen. Thank you, Randon. Blessings on you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God is good, huh? Whew, to say the least. <laughs> well, Father, we bless you. Mm, you're just so worthy. Jesus, we adore you. Holy Spirit, we're forever indebted to you for your comfort and your courage and your strength and the blessings of God and for your everlasting presence in our life. And Lord, that you've graced us tonight with your presence. And this servant, Lord, with your anointing. And Lord, I declare and decree that it is the anointing that lifts burdens. Yes. It is the anointing that breaks yokes. And every yoke is broken. I declare it to be so in Jesus' name. Every burden lifted in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Let go of those burdens. Oof. Glory to God. So I'm continuing on renewing the mind. Hopefully you're not getting tired of it or bored. <laughs> There's just so much. Hallelujah. So tonight we're going to talk a little bit about our thoughts. And uh, I'd like to start with a passage in Luke <coughs> chapter 4. Jesus is in his own hometown of Nazareth. We're going to read from the New King James to start with here. So it says he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and he stood up to read. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. Jesus did not say, I want Isaiah chapter 61. It was the reading for the day. He was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah, and when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And then he closed the book and he gave it back to the attendant and he sat down. And the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, today the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. So they all bore witness and they marveled at his gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. And they said, is this not Joseph's son? So Jesus announces in his own town, his own hometown, that he was the fulfillment of Isaiah's prophecy. I'm the one. I'm the anointed one. I'm the one that's come to set the captives free. I'm here to free everyone oppressed of the devil. I'm the healer of the brokenhearted. I am in your midst the favor of God himself. That's what that verse 19 means, the proclaim the acceptable year. Many translations say the favor of the Lord. Now, let's peek at the 
Passion Translation of Isaiah chapter 61, verse 1 and 2. Because remember, Jesus was reading right out of the scroll of Isaiah. Imagine you're one of the hometown people. You grew up with Jesus. And you're hearing this. The mighty spirit of Lord Yahweh is wrapped around me because Yahweh has anointed me as a messenger to preach good news to the poor. He sent me to heal the wounds of the brokenhearted, to tell the captives you are free, to tell the prisoners be free from your darkness. I am sent to announce a new season of Yahweh's grace. Hallelujah. Now the people of Nazareth were not able to receive this word. They were impressed. Luke 4.22, the Passion Translation, says everyone was impressed by how well Jesus spoke. In awe of his beautiful words of grace that came from his lips, but they were surprised at his presumption to speak as a prophet. So they said among themselves, who does he think he is? We know this guy. This is Joseph's son who grew up here in Nazareth. I heard Steve Furtick preach on this passage and he was talking about this issue of familiarity. And Pastor Dave has preached on familiarity for us as a congregation. It's this issue of sometimes we can't or won't receive an anointed word, a divine instruction from people simply because we're too familiar with them. The anointed word is coming from their lips. A word that could set us free. A word that could heal our broken hearts, release immense grace into our lives. And yet we can't or won't receive it because I know that guy. I know her. I know all of her flaws. Now the exact same thing happens, friends, in our minds especially when we're starting to make an effort to renew our minds, to think differently, to renew our minds and reprogram our subconscious like we shared last time. Consider these beautiful people from Nazareth. I mean, they were good people. God loved them. I mean, I was just, it occurred to me just this afternoon, don't you think that Jesus prayed for his hometown people, his teacher, his neighbor, I'm sure he lifted up countless prayers for the people he grew up with. So he loved them immensely. The Father loved them. He wanted to bless them. Do you believe that, that God wants to bless people? He does. He immensely loves people. He wants to bless people's socks off. 2 Corinthians 16.9 tells us that the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth, just looking just looking to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal towards him. Just looking for somebody to bless. Now, these people that day in Nazareth were prime candidates for immense revelation and insight and freedom and an outpouring of the glory of God. Here was the favor of God standing right in front of them And they were so stuck in the familiar, they missed the very visitation of heaven in their midst. Now, sometimes in our thinking, when we're making this effort to replace the negative thoughts with God's higher thoughts, God is for me, not against me, my God shall supply all my needs, 
It's very possible for our minds and our emotions to scream, no, this is not comfortable. This is not familiar. Wouldn't you rather worry a little bit here? Frustration feels so much more comfortable because that's what we're used to. But then to move into, no, the Bible says the peace of God is available to me. I can walk in this deep level of peace. Now, I read this cute story this week um, on Pete Grieg's devotional on my Bible app. He was talking about when his kids were young and they had these two pets. One was a hamster. Has anyone had a hamster in your house? I understand they're about two inches. That's it. Two inches. And they named this hamster Snuffles. And they had this big 65-pound Labradoodle. Have you ever seen one? A big dog, right? And a whole lot of hair. Okay, so this hamster liked to get out of his cage, and one day he escaped from his cage and was face-to-face with this great big dog. So they have this stare-off. Like, okay, who's boss here? And Pete said, I wouldn't have believed it except that I saw it. The dog fell down on the floor, laid on his back, and gave in. He just, it's like he was saying, please don't hurt me. Please don't hurt me. Please like me. I'll let you be the boss. Now we think, yeah, that's ridiculous, isn't it? Just ridiculous. But we do the same thing, friends, in our minds. Here comes fear. Here comes doubt. Here comes these voices that say, there's something wrong with you. You are defective. You're flawed. God's not going to use you. And what do we do? We lay down on our back and we say, please don't hurt me. I'll let you be the boss. Yeah. We have to sit at the control panel of our own minds, friends. We have got to use the sword we've been given to cut through the lies and to cut through the discouragement and tear to pieces the arguments and those high things that continually set themselves against the knowledge of God. I bet us he's got this scripture already for us, right? 2 Corinthians 10, verse 4. Again, we're reading the first little part from the Passion Translation because I don't know if you understand that we have these divine weapons. Spiritual weapons, they're called here. Energized with divine power. Pastor Dave talked about that drill. I mean, I think we can all just see it, hear it, right? Hooked into the power. We have divine power energizing every one of our weapons. Hallelujah. And then we're going to move to ESV because we want to know why. Why is God energizing these divine weapons? Here's the reason. To destroy strongholds. Okay, I got a little bit more than that. To destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. Maybe I gave you the wrong translation. Who knows? And to take every thought captive. This is warfare, friends. This is spiritual warfare, Steve Bachman says, of the highest level. Now, when we think of deep, intense spiritual warfare, we picture 
coming against these principalities and powers of nations. And yes, you've got the authority, you can do that. But this is the highest level of spiritual warfare that we all deal with, and that is bringing down these lofty arguments, these ideas, these thoughts that keep coming to us that are straight from hell. What we think is crucial. Now, why else would the enemy be so relentless? He just doesn't quit. Have you heard today that there might be something wrong with you? I know you all have, because that's just the way the enemy is. But we don't have to listen. (laughs) Hallelujah. God has a plan. How many are convinced God has a plan for your life? So does the enemy. Yeah, I was sharing with a girl, a lady this morning. Oh, that was such an insight I got this week. Can I quick tell you something from the word? Um, We're doing the Esther study in our Wednesday night group. And um, remember Haman, he came up with this decree. And the king signed it willingly. Every Jew will die. We have a decree against us, friends. Steal, kill, destroy. Steal, kill, destroy. That's the, that's the whole motive. Um, what's the right word? It's the assignment of hell yeah. to every demon. Steal from him. Kill, destroy. Steal, kill, and destroy. Yeah. But then when there was the big turnaround and the plot twist, and when God showed up, we have a new decree. Amen. A new decree. A new decree. Now, what if all those Jews would have said, well, I guess we just have to take it. They're just going to come in now and try to kill us and steal all our stuff. Nothing we can do. But there's the new decree that says you can rise up now. You can take your weapons. You can fight against every force that comes against you. You don't have to let them steal your stuff. And there's a new decree, friends, a super decree from heaven that says, I give you power. I give you authority. You don't have to take what the enemy's handing out. Hallelujah. So the enemy has this plan, steal, kill, destroy. Now you'd think since he lost the big one, that he would just quit. No, he doesn't. But let's look at this, because Colossians 2.15 I want you to see, he has already spoiled every principality and power and made a show of them openly triumphing over them in it. Got the message Bible for us too, sweetheart? He stripped all the spiritual tyrants in the universe of their sham authority at the cross and marched them naked through the streets. Now, they're not stupid. They know they've already lost. They know they've already lost. we got to figure it out, right? (laughs) And stop listening to the lies. Hallelujah. Jesus triumphed once and for all over the enemy of our souls, but he's so sure that his lies, that people will listen and believe them, that he just keeps it up, one lie after the other. This is why we have to work at renewing our minds. So we're fully acquainted with truth. I'm sure you already know this. When the the bank tellers and the people in the finance world have to learn how to uh, recognize the counterfeit, they don't go through the books and study how to make counterfeit money. They don't look at all the fake. 
and study it. No, what they do is they do an in-depth study of the real thing, the real thing, the truth, so that immediately they can spot that's not the real thing. And that's what we got to do, friends. we got to get truth in our inward parts, engrafted into our soul is what James says. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Is that what they do? Okay, I love that. Let's hold it up to the light. Yeah, I was telling my my daughter called yesterday. She was dealing with something, and I said, you know, I heard this little phrase, uh, what God said to Adam in the garden. Who told you that? Who? Start asking the enemy that one, or even those thoughts. Where'd that come from? If that's not a, a light, it might be darkness instead, so reject it, right? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So we want truth imparted into our inward parts. We want the word engrafted into our souls. Why? Because overcoming is in our spiritual DNA. Triumphing victoriously is the destiny of every one of God's children. 1 John 5, 4 from the Passion Translation says, Every child of God overcomes the world. Hey, say that to me. That includes me. Woo! Every child of God overcomes the world, for our faith is the victorious power that triumphs over the world. So who are the world conquerors? Hey, look at your neighbor and say, you are a world conqueror. Woo! Defeating its power, it's the ones who believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Can I tell you God wants you to get your hopes up? He does. He wants you to get your hopes up. He is waiting for you to renew your mind like Gideon so that you know who you are and who your God is. He would love it if you started seeing yourself like David, a giant killer. Or like Peter, a water walker. Or Abraham, a father of many nations. There's no limit, friends. There's no limit. We talked about that last time on the transformation that can occur in your life and in mine if we will relentlessly renew our minds and the spirit of our minds with the living, breathing word of God, our good, good Father has ordained that each of us prevail. Each of us. That we finish well and end strong and nobody is exempt. I don't care what your past is or what your present is. If we will use God's method of success, like Joshua 1.8 talks about, you will prevail. This is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Now, Abraham is God's poster boy for success facing the impossible. The impossible. I mean, I was looking it up because I'm sure, didn't Abraham laugh too? I know Sarah did, but I'm sure Abraham was, did a little laugh too. And wasn't it at the end, real close, after they announced that he was gonna, they were going to have their baby, he still laughed. And yet, what does the Bible say? The Bible says he staggered, not at the promise. Oh, I kind of like that. And what about his little tryst with Hagar? That looks like staggering at the promise to me, right? But God writes about his heart after the episode. Uh, let's look at the scripture in Romans 4.20. Yeah, he staggered not at the promise of God. Through unbelief. Now, friends, that means there's hope for you and I. If we're still struggling, if we're just not quite grasping it, keep working at it. He was strong in faith, giving glory to God. Now, I think I talked a little bit last time about the power of thanksgiving, but I just want to say it again. 
Because the Lord was just talking to me about it this week again. Gratefulness, gratitude, thanksgiving, it actually builds your faith. Just pick any of those verses and just say, Lord, thank you. It's right here in your word. I thank you that it's true for me. I may not feel it. I might not see it. I might not be experiencing it yet, but I thank you. It's here. I can claim your promises. Glory to God. All of us stumble along the way, but God perseveres with us. He keeps giving us his word and encouraging us to believe and to trust. I found this amazing quote the other day by Susie Larson. She has a new devotional out called Prevail. And she put this question in there. She said, which one gets more of your attention? Are you coddling your hardships or are you considering his promises? Now, I mean, I know lousy and rotten things have happened to every one of us. And you know how that's one of those little things the enemy likes to try to get you to remember and think, 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 and then you find yourself in this pit again. Okay, do we coddle our hardships or do we consider his promises? And I remember sharing this with um, a gal and she said to me, but you just don't know how much it hurts. Like I said, we've all been hurt. We've been betrayed. We've gone through loss, failure, where you're just ready to walk away, quit. But let's get our gaze on the on Christ and his promises. The Message Bible. Do you have that for us, sweetheart? Romans 4, verse 20. Talking about Abraham again, he didn't tiptoe around God's promises, asking cautiously skeptical questions. He plunged into the promise. And he came up strong, ready for God. And I had another verse, but apparently you can't find the BBE, the Basic Bible English. Okay, this is what it says. He did not give up faith in the undertaking of God. In other words, yeah, if I start thinking about, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if this is going to work. I don't know. A big what if, you know. Or I can start thinking about, oh, my God, he's so faithful. My God is so strong. Look what he did back here when I didn't think there was a solution. He showed up. And then the rest of that verse in the BBE says, he was made strong by faith, giving glory to God. It's another spiritual weapon, right? To praise and to thank God. So here's a couple more pictures to think about in regards to this thing with our mind. One is a garden. And I know, Levi, you kind of did the field thing, the one Sunday morning in Sunday school, but... Are you already dreaming about fresh tomatoes? (laughs) Fresh tomatoes, fresh green beans, spinach out of the garden. Mm -mm -mm. I mean, you can dream all day long about this stuff, but if you don't plant the seeds, you're not going to get a harvest. Now, the weeds, you don't even have to go buy weed seeds at Walmart. They just show up. You don't have to plant them. There they are. But the same thing is true in your mind. We have to plant the seed and plant the seed and tend it and water it and pray over it. And the negative thoughts, like the weeds, you don't even have to invite them in. They're just there. But again, it does work to hoe them and throw them out or apply your chemical. I don't know what you want to do to get rid of them, but you want to get rid of the weeds. All right, so here's another picture. 
Um, the war recently that we fought in Iraq, my understanding, and I might have it wrong, but my understanding is that the United States and Great Britain went in with their military and triumphed over the Iraqi military. But there were these insurgencies. There were these small groups like the Ba'ath group and the Kurds that kept uh, hiding out in certain little areas, and they would just attack and shoot and kill. Now, the American, well, the military, I think it was our guys that were over there, they found one thing that seemed to work for those insurgencies, those small pockets of those little groups that kept hanging around, and that was the bomb. They would just throw a bomb in there and evict the, the enemy from that, that area. And friends, we've got to learn how to throw some truth bombs. We've got to learn how to throw some truth bombs. Now, I'm going to share about five of them with you. Uh, Steve Bachlin, in his, I've been listening to some of his stuff on uh, renewing the mind. He doesn't call them truth bombs, but he talked about truth bombs in another part of the series. But anyway, here's number one. What he says was, if you would get to be a master of these five, you can take care of 98% of all the fiery darts coming to your brain, all the lies. So that's kind of Okay, we'll try it, right? Let's try it for a couple weeks. Here's number one, Philippians 4.13. You don't even have to look it up. Tell it to me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now, I still remember the day that I got this revelation. I was at a Sunday school conference, and the pastor, I don't know, Crabtree or Crab or something like that, he gave a sermon called Success Comes in Cans. And like something sparked inside of me, like, What? I can do this. You know, the voices. I'll tell you, I grew up thinking there was something wrong with me, that I was defective, that I was flawed, that God could never use me. Am I the only one? No. All right, so I hear this word that I can. I can. And when the voices come, friends, I don't know, there's different ones like I'm too shy. No, I can. I can open my mouth for Jesus. I'm too weak. No, I can. There's something wrong with you. No, I can serve my Jesus. Hallelujah. I'm going to use every opportunity possible to let his strength be seen in me. So here's bomb number two. 1 Corinthians 10:13. Did you find that one? The Common English Bible. No temptation has seized you that is not common for people, but God is faithful. He won't allow you to be tempted beyond your abilities. Instead, with the temptation or the test, God will always supply a way out so that you will be able to endure it. Never will you be tempted above what you are able, friends. Those voices, and how many times have we heard somebody say, but nobody else is going through this? Has the enemy come to you with that one? <laughs> or how about no one would understand? I mean, even the, the great man, Elijah, didn't he say to the Lord, I'm the only one? I'm the only one. God says, hey, I got 7,000 who have not bowed the knee to you, to, to um, the enemy. Hallelujah. And there's a second part of this verse. Not only can we know that nothing is too big for us. We can handle it. Here's the other one. God will always 
provide a way out. So even in the darkest, most impossible situation where it feels there is just no way out of this, there is no solution, I'm telling you, God says there is. And you might not even see it right now, but you can just declare, no, God is getting me a way out. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So here's bomb number three, Galatians 3.13. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone that hangeth on the tree. Now this is a verse the enemy doesn't want any believer to really believe or to know about. That every curse has been taken care of. I remember for a while in my Christian walk, it was the big thing to read all these books about family curses and generational curses. And, you know, you you can get so heavy thinking, oh, yeah, my mother had that. And, oh, my father dealt with that. And I guess it's going to be in my family. No. Jesus already took it all. Every part of the curse. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If someone paid your bill at the restaurant, would you go up to the cash register and insist on paying it again? No, that'd be stupid. Yeah, don't do that. Jesus already put it all under his feet. Hallelujah. When he said it is finished, it means it's done. No more shame. No more guilt. No more curse. Bob number four, 2 Timothy 1.7. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. Yours is a spirit of power. Glory to God. You are a love machine. Look in the mirror tomorrow morning and say that. I'm a love machine. I mean, the Bible says the love of God is shed abroad, poured out in our heart by the Holy Ghost. And yours is a sound mind. Isn't it crazy how many times it pops in your mind? It might even have come out of your mouth. I'm losing my mind. Or here comes the the senior moments. (laughs) Or dementia runs in my family. You can't take that stuff, friends. Those are lies. Those are lies. No, try this one. I'm sharp and intelligent and my IQ is increasing daily. Glory to God. Glory to God. And uh, I guess I found one other little verse I was going to quick show you. Do you have that Psalm 60 verse 12 for us? I'm a pianist and I was facing this recital with this really tough music and I was actually thinking to myself, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I can get through this. And so the morning of um, that recital, the Lord actually was a couple days ahead of time. The Lord gave me this verse from Psalm 60, verse 12, which says, Through God we shall do valiantly. I said, I'm going to have to look this one up. I mean, I kind of know what valiant means. It sort of sounds like courage, right? I mean, that's what I had in my brain. But when I looked it up, it had to do with his ability and his skill. So it could have even been, you know, I know people will say, you got to face reality. you got to face the facts. Yeah, okay, so probably Deb Cosbeck couldn't handle that music. But you know what? Jesus in me could. Hallelujah. Through God we shall do valiantly. Okay, one more little quick verse. This is bomb number five. 
Matthew 28, 19, and 20. We're just going to make it real simple here. It says, go ye. Go therefore. And way at the end, I am with you always. I don't care. There's always the enemy coming in and saying, you better not open your mouth. You know what you said. You know what you did. Or you don't have the gift. You don't have the gift of evangelism. No, friends. Those are lies. We heard some wonderful examples this morning in church, didn't we? Just everyday occurrences where you just tell your story. How many times did Paul start? I was on the road to Damascus. <laughs> yeah, just tell them your story. Tell them your story. We are all called. We are all empowered. We all have access to his inexhaustible resources for every need that we ever come against. Hallelujah. Well, I have some declarations for you. Are you ready? <laughs> okay. I am relentlessly renewing my mind. With the living word of God. I'm giving God something to work with. Planting his word in my heart. And grafting it in my soul. Daily, I'm picking up my sword. And I'm cutting through the lies. Daily, I'm shooting my truth bombs and taking every thought captive to Christ. Captive to Christ. I can do all things. I repeat, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Supernatural solutions are mine. In Jesus' name. When everything else is shouting, there is no solution. God is making a way for me. Hallelujah, Father. We love you. We love you. We love you. We praise you. We praise you. We praise you for your word, your living, active, sharp word. Thank you that you are renewing our minds, that you are transforming us into brand new creatures. Thank you that you are using this great people here tonight, empowering them, anointing them. Thank you that they have access to everything they'll ever need for life and for godliness. And I ask that your blessing would rest upon them this week and make them to know that they have all that they need. And they are more than conquerors through Jesus who loves them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. Hallelujah. All right, I'd be glad to pray or agree with anybody who would like it. Otherwise, have yourself a great week. Thank you for listening to this inspirational message. We trust that you were encouraged in your faith. For additional information or resources, please contact the church at 605-692-4616. You can email us at holylife at brookings.net or visit our website at holylifetabernacle.com. If you're in the Brookings area, please stop by to visit a service. We are located at 241 Mustang Pass, just off Main Avenue South. Our service times are Sundays at 10 a.m. and 6.30 p.m., also Wednesday nights at 7. God bless you.